0: Hi, I'm Andalisi.
1: And I'm Chef James Regato. In this episode of Essential Cooking, we'll talk about wine and tacos for my recent trip to Baja, Mexico.
0: James is gonna talk about how he approaches food trips from visiting farms to discovering new foods specific to a region. On his trip to Mexico, James set out to learn what makes the Baja Peninsula such a special region for wine and why he thinks tacos are one of the most delicious things you can eat. Well, you have been back out on the road. I have. On the road again. On the road, it in the air. You know, <laughs> on I'm, the road, uh, in yeah, the air.
1: A few different things.
0: Um, so when you go out and you venture out into the world, are you always thinking about it from a culinary perspective or is that just a consideration and you just want to go to a place? Like, How much does food play into that decision?
1: I think from a planning perspective, food is always... First thing I think about.
0: Oh, uh, okay. So
1: is this trip a food trip? It's kind of like what I sit right. down with, right? So when I travel to someplace, like, you know, is it a Caribbean island? Okay, so you're going to Turks and Caicos. That's not a food trip to me, right? right. That island is, I mean, it was abandoned for like a few decades, I believe, between different colonies. Mm-hmm. You know? So I mean, like some islands don't really have a, a natural culture. St. Lucia, that's a food trip. It's an incredible island. You know, there's actual like, you know, uh, incredible culture there. You know, indigenous cuisine and people, and it's just you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot to unpack. So depending on where I go, what I do, if I go maybe if I'm going up north, for instance, I don't think about food as importantly as I do if I go to Mexico. Right. So Europe is almost always a food trip. Um, you know, and I think the more remote, maybe I'll try to incorporate some kind of element of cuisine. Maybe it's like foraging, or it's like. Visiting a farm. Sometimes if you go to like you know, in the remote, you know, Ontario or Quebec or something. Well, maybe there's maple syrup farm, or like, you know, there's things you can learn about right. food or beverage, but maybe they're not necessarily a dining experience. Right. So yes, there's always food to be discovered. It's not always in a restaurant.
0: Okay. So this last trip, your latest trip that we're going to talk about, that was a food trip. Yes. Kind of. So right?
1: I, yep, correct. So yeah. I just went to. Um, essentially the Valley de Guadalupe, which is the wine region of Baja. And it's kind of tucked between Ensenada and it's basically nor- northeast of Ensenada, kind of in this triangle district between Tecate and Tijuana. And it's Ensenada. a peninsula.
0: You know, sort well, Baja,
1: but pen- yeah, so Baja is a peninsula, right? right. So that's Baja, California. That kind right. of, if you look at a map, it's kind of like that. It's basically, looks like an extension of California. Right. Exactly. And so Baja, uh, where I was, Ensenada, is, it still kind of feels mainland. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't quite feel like you're surrounded by water yet. Uh, but in the, they do have the kind of mountains to the east. And there's what's called the bruma, which I believe is like that kind of morning misty fog that kind of comes down off the mountains and lays over the, um, the valley. And that's really uh, crucial to their wine uh, production, to the grape growing during the day, it's a desert. It feels like you're in like you know Morocco or Sicily or something. You'll see big cracks in the soil. You know it looks like it looks like a, you know pretty pretty tough climate to grow grapes in. But grapes like to struggle. So those cool nights, hot days, misty mornings—it's actually kind of perfect for grape growing. The more that grapes can struggle with, obviously without dying, the more um, essentially more nuance, more terroir shows up in the mm-hmm. wine. So this is, you know, I've heard some people kind of like turn their noses up at um, Baja wines. And this is completely just through word of mouth. People have almost just like, ah, oh, you know, Mexico makes wine, but it's not that serious. Or I've had people kind of like, you know, just kind of brush it off. So I've, I've always been like, well, I, I'd like to see for myself. So that was kind of the point of this trip. I have a friend in San Diego who's not a foodie. He's been with me in Vietnam and Oaxaca and all over, you know, North America and, um, and I think it's. I think I personally like to travel with somebody who's not a chef because we're not really rival. There's no rivalry for things to do. I'm like, let's go to this winery. He's like, okay. So, my buddy John, his name is John. We call him California John because he's, you know, he lives in California. And he's a very, you know, fun California type dude. So we drove down. He drove me down. We stayed one night in Tijuana, which was very uh, interesting. Tijuana is a is a is a border town, as you may know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of. Um, it's got a rowdier nightlife, you know? I mean, it's like, it's definitely, a, it's a lively city. Um, the tacos are pretty incredible though. Definitely some great El Pastor tacos. I feel like that's a Tijuana vibe. Birria, which is like that long braised beef. Sometimes you see lamb too, where you kind of like put it in the taco with like the spices and the cheese and they will dip it kind of in the in the consomme. That's like a birria taco. So that's around. I've also saw a lot of El Pastor tacos and they do almost like a avocado salsa or like a creamy salsa. I feel like Tijuana tacos are kind of like, they're starting to approach American vibes. You know, they're kind of like tourist tacos. What, 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 what,
0: makes, what makes you say that?
1: Well, there's this, it's a very, very um, busy town. It's a lot of transitory mm-hmm. experiences. You know, people like coming and going left and right. So I think that they're like, they're schlepping tacos for all walks of life. It's a border. It feels like a border town. Right. I've been down more in mainland, like in Guanajuato, and you'll see more like tacos for kind of like the, 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 the you know, the, the citizens of that area. They're more like um, rooted kind of in that culture down there. Tijuana is like a little bit of like anything goes. But the birria and the El Pastor, I think, in Tijuana are worth mentioning. Very, very delicious. You, you will see Baja tacos, but it's not really a thing yet. The Farther south you go, um, especially in Ensenada, you start seeing like Baja taco shops. So I went to Tacos Floresta, which is a, a, a cart on the streets of Ensenada. They open at eight in the morning. I know. It's like, I literally went and got coffee (laughs) and then went over and got three, you know, delicious Baja tacos. Baja taco is a piece of typically Pacific coast fish battered and fried. So think like your fish and chips from like England—that crispy, flaky, almost yep. like beer batter. Oh
0: gosh, that must have been heavenly! No, it, was, it was incredible.
1: Top with usually a cabbage slaw. Sometimes there's like a white sauce, mayonnaise-based, or you know, or they'll do different. You know, you, you know, a lot of these taquerias will have multiple salsas for you to top your own. Right. And um, I thought fo- I thought that tacos floresta. That I felt that that was the best taco I had down there. Um, I had I went and visited that place twice. Ate about six tacos total from them. And Just, what
0: are the tortillas made of? These are, these are corn, but
1: it's, you know, it's, it's like a more of a, like, I feel like it's a finer milled corn. So ah, okay. it's like a softer mm-hmm. texture. Um, so, you know, tor- obviously tortillas come from the tortilleria, basically the, you know, the fa- the factory that makes the tortillas. So there's as much terroir in a tortilla as there is in a bottle of wine. So where you get your tortilla from, you know, is, is very distinct, like a bakery or uh, like, okay. you know, like a pizzeria, like anything else. So I feel like Baja tacos, you know, in America, you'll see a lot of fish tacos on flour tortillas. hmm and I like flour tortillas. I'm actually not, uh, you know, I'm not like. I feel like a lot of people are like, I'm a purist, only corn tortillas. I think flour tortillas can be delicious, but these are on corn tortillas. And uh, there's also white corn tortillas, which look sometimes like flour, but they're still corn. But I found I found the Baja tacos to live up to the hype. They're pretty incredible. Believe it or not, a lot of the best. I think some of the best tacos in the world are in South California. Tacos El Gorda is in Chula Vista, which is a kind of a neighborhood of San Diego and i think tacos al gordo is seriously the best taco taquer- i mean it's the best taco i've ever been to in my life
0: why and is like, it why was it so good
1: you know it's just it's really dialed in they got they have all the different cuts you could ask for so you can get you know the tripa which is the tripe you can get the lingua, or you know the cabeza or the head or the tongue or the, you know or you can just get like the, the 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 el pastor which they call the trompo which is like That's the stack of red spiced pork you see on a spit Mm -hmm. rotating around. It looks almost like like what we know as like shawarma or something. And so tacos al pastor typically is shaved, slow roasted pork, rubbed in spices, topped with pineapple. there's usually one pineapple at the top that's kind of dripping its pineapple juices down the, the trompo and then obviously your salsas are your I feel like the taquerias some will do like we do a green salsa with ours we do a creamy salsa or an avocado salsa or a you know a mayonnaise based salsa so they all are sour cream salsa. so some variations show up there america i think has more variations because there's less cultural like rules you know i feel like if you're like in a maybe it's like a mexican taqueria but like It's like first-generation American or second-generation. People are getting a little—they do what they want. You know, it's not as rigid. I feel like when you go to, like, mainland, there's a little bit more, like, this is how we've always done it. There's also a a lamb birria taco place across the street from Tacos Al Gordo in Chula Vista. And honestly, the name escapes me, but it's like, I mean, you go to to Tacos Al Gordo and walk across the street to the lamb birria place. It was so good. And I, I mean, I've been eating vegan so much lately, but like there's some things where I'm like, okay, I have to just partake. And like the lamb be- beer taco, taco, it's the braised lamb in the, to- the tortilla and you dip it in that consomme. It's so like satisfying. It's so frustrating. It tastes like, let's say you're like, a, like a, a lifelong cigarette smoker who stopped smoking for like a year and mm-hmm. then you have that first cigarette back. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's what- Talk. that's like a proper birria taco is like you're like, oh my god, why do I not eat tacos every day? I feel like tacos are one of the most delicious things on planet earth. I feel almost equal to like pasta. You know, I could eat them every single day. When I'm in Mexico or Southern California, I have a problem because I eat so many tacos. I like I can't get enough. I get I get like, I honestly get like sick. When because you I can't get enough.
0: When you are traveling like that, and and we'll just use tacos. Do you come back uh, to your restaurant and say I want to recreate that, or I want to do that, or I'm I, I'm sure you get inspired by the food, but do you ever say I'm gonna recreate that flavor, that taste, that yeah, taco? I
1: definitely do. It's tough because it, tacos, you know, to me, rely on the tortilleria. They rely on uh, right. the mm-hmm. tools. Like you need to have that proper, you know, um, you know, it's kind of like the the right. ball, like the mm-hmm. the actual like rotisserie for the. So to not have the proper tools feels a little limiting. So I'm not always inspired to immediately duplicate. But like fish tacos, salsas, definitely. You know, I kind of had an epiphany when I was down there. I was eating this habanero salsa and it was so delicious. And I was like, okay, how can I make a habanero salsa for my customer base that won't? Because I mean, this is very spicy. Right. I like spicy. but And I, I was like, gooseberries. I was like, okay, I'm going to do a habanero gooseberry salsa. Because to me, gooseberries kind of have that. The fruitiness of habaneros minus the spice is almost like a gooseberry. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do a gooseberry habanero salsa. So like I it's like I'm going to do that. I don't know when, but that's in my now in my brain. Right. So like something like that will kind of pop up in my head where I'm like, how can I interpret this experience and offer it to my following or my guests? Um, but obviously I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna duplicate exactly, but I was I was inspired by it.
0: I'm Ann DeLisi. I'm Rob Reinhart. And we're about to bring back the perfect opportunity to honor your favorite pet and support WDET. During our spring fundraiser, Ann and I will combine our shows so you can honor your dog. Or your cat. Or your dog. And WDET with a gift of support. We're looking forward to hearing about your pets, no matter what kind of cat that is. Cats and dogs and any other pet you may have will be part of our fundraiser. And if you can't wait till the weekend, make your gift now at WDET.org slash give. Or call 800-959-9338 you must be really good at picking out what's in something like you know like for the rest of us who don't have as finely trained palate as you do you know, like you're tasting something you're like i know what that is i know what that is i recognize that flavor you can't place it you must be able to when you when you're tasting something, pick out okay. It's got this, 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 this. That must be something that's part of your yeah your history, and that something you've learned to do.
1: I think a, I think a lot of chefs are good at that. Honestly, I feel like I find that uh, women. I think it's actually proven scientifically that women are um, better super tasters than men. I think mm-hmm. women have more. Um, uh, taste buds, yeah, or something. more taste buds, yeah. or more, or more um, active receptors to things like that. More mm-hmm. sense of smell, stronger sense of smell. So, like, I mean, I actually lean on a lot of, you know, like like um, Sam or like you know, yeah. uh, sommeliers are really great at it. You oh know? right, right. So like, I, I I love talking about it. I don't feel like I'm I because I'm a chef, I have like a superpower. But I definitely I feel like when I taste something, it's more of the balance that I that I, I feel like I'm very good at recreating balance. Mm-hmm. So maybe if it's if something's like. You know, ridiculously acidic or salty, or it's like, like you know, I'll use takoy locally here. We have Chef Brad Greenhill at Takoy. He's really great at that, like palm sugar, fish sauce, lime juice Mm -hmm. blend. And then when spice gets involved, it becomes this really cool balancing act. Thai food does that a lot. Brad's a genius at it. So like, you know, the more salt you have, you know, then the sugar comes in. And then with sugar, love spice, acids kind of there to keep it all kind of rounded. So. I think that, like, when I taste something, I can be like, okay, that's cool. I really appreciate the way that this rich, you know, crunchy fish is, you know, the raw cabbage is this vessel to handle higher heat salsas, and I think that, like, that inspires me more, and I can kind of dissect the structure of the dish, maybe more than, like, the raw ingredients. I'm not walking away, like, I knew, I know that they use cumin. I'm not as um, focused on that, although sometimes I do come across a certain spice where I'm like, that's cool, like some bolognese recipes will use like a cinnamon stick. And like, that's kind of cool because it's like, you know, it's like, a, just enough of like off center to where you're like, wait a second, what is that? Is that like a warming, mm-hmm. is that black pepper? And you know, or is that Parmesan rind? Like between somewhere between yeah. like black pepper, Parmesan <laughs> rind, and, and like the milk of, you know, there's like uh cause bolognese will use milk a lot. Right. Like, Cinnamon's like this interesting little sidekick that you don't always notice, but you appreciate it. So sometimes there's things like that where I'm like, okay, I'm totally seeing through this. Or like star anise will give a licorice quality. Star anise shows up in a lot of pho broths. It's so oh, like right. there are moments where I'm like, okay, this is cool. I I know what you're doing and I like the way that, that this acts with that.
0: You, know, you talked about balance and I I wonder if like the home cook thinks about that aspect of cooking very much. And it does, We can make or break what you're serving up if it it does or doesn't have the balance that it should have. Because I think a food can be distracting when the balance isn't there.
1: It's true. You're like
0: distracted by the fact that it's not balanced.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, or it's, you know, I think the biggest crime that we've done as Americans is like uh, put salt and pepper on the table. Like that's the cure-all, you know, or that's, Mm -hmm, those are your metrics for seasoning, you know? To me, I think I I I always think of things like as you know like, like the way your tongue's broken down. If you look at like their taste buds, like bitter is a very forgotten um, seasoning component in America. You know we just don't use bitter. Like I love radicchio and collards mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know rapini. I love bitter things. I love vinegar. I love I love funky, weird, salty you know bitter things. And I think that like if you're making a a broth, for instance. You're making, like, a nice chicken stock. Like, I like charring the onions. It brings a nice... Charred onions are bitter, and they bring a nice tannin structure. Tannin is, like... It's kind of, like, a relative of bitter. You know, I mean, it's not... Literally, it's not what people call and freak out on us. But, like, what black tea or red wine does, it kind of gets you in that, like... It's, like, the overly savory... It's kind of like... It's, like, a neighbor between sour and bitter. It's like the savory version of sour and bitter. I think that's what tannin is. And... I think that that's missing in a lot of cooking, especially in American cooking. You know, if, if you go and just like go over to, to, you know, Europe and get like a, you know, like a, a soup in, in, in Lyon, you're going to notice like, wow, they made a whole soup around escarole. And there's like these like, you know, charred onion bits in it or something. And you're like, you're just like, this is a unique mm-hmm. take or like a radicchio salad, you know, with, with oranges. What, well, there's a reason why you always see radicchio and oranges together is because the orange is so sweet. The radicchio is so bitter and the they're so perfect. A little bit of olive oil and maybe some, you know, some like a little bit of shaved, you know, hard cheese. That's a really nice salad. But obviously people are like, I don't like radicchio. It's bitter. Well, yeah. okay. <laughs> Season it. And then you'll see why bitter is beautiful.
0: I mean, every, every once in a while, I'll be looking at recipes for a soup and it'll tell you to add a splash of balsamic vinegar at the end or apple cider right. vinegar at the end. And it just changes just enough. Totally. It just to lifts brighten it up. It up and and it's just like, it's amazing, really. You know, my, my, my relationship with
1: acid and food, I always think about music. You know, it's like if it's like if you just hear the bass line and like the drums. You know, like just a little bit of like a cymbal or a keyboard or like some major chords on the guitar, like it just changes the whole song. And like that's what lemon or vinegar or you know, any kind of like pop of acid will do. You know, it's why you see like a lime wedge next to like your baja taco. You know, like cabbage is like kind of sweet and crunchy and vegetable. Well, fried fish is kind of rich and crunchy. Like you know, salsa's hot. Okay, squeeze lime over it, and now you have a perfectly balanced taco. Yeah. Like that's you know, the acid to me. I always think about it in music because it reminds me of like, you know, it's like the, you know a little more cowbell. It's like yeah, it's, it's like the one <laughs> yeah. little touch you're missing. Acid's missing. And I mean, American food needs acid uh, often.
0: Yeah. And I think we forget about that part of it and how how important that is. Um, What did you take away from Baja that you thought that you learned um, from a chef perspective? Like, you're like, okay, I I know a little bit more about this than when I went there.
1: You know, I've always felt that Mexico is incredibly um, overlooked or, you know, publicly kind of like chastised for its like problems. You know, there's always like tourism warnings. And I mean, I don't want to, downplay the dangers of anywhere in the world but the mexican the mexican community for one in america is amazing but the mexican community in mexico i've never experienced anything but you know um enjoyable warm and hospitable experiences the restaurant workers the bartenders the 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 locals the food vendors the mark you know people in the marketplace the baristas like I think Mexico is the most overlooked place in North America. Mm -hmm. So every time I go, I'm always incredibly inspired. Why more Americans don't go to Mexico is beyond me. Um, And what I really, I wanted to kind of see for myself, like, well, what's Baja all about? And I only saw like, you know, obviously the top 10%, 20%. But the fact that you can get in your car in San Diego, you can drive across the border. They don't even stop you. I mean, you just, you just drove, they just wave you through. So you just go into Mexico and, you know, Tijuana was, like I said, Cool, kind of crazy town. Um, great tacos. You know, I went down to Valle de Guadalupe and I ate at Melva Cochina, which is a restaurant on the Mina Penelope winery. I ate at Anna Malone and I ate at uh there's a there's a hotel. Well, there's like a, a winery. It's also a hotel called Bruma, which is like clearly the most va- like money spent. I mean it was like it was an incredible property, like Twenty uh, something million dollars to build this. It was in. It's like bonkers. I mean, this is my my guess from my naked eye. Um, but they have a restaurant there called Fauna, which is a pretty famous restaurant. So Fauna Alone, and Malone uh, and and Melva were these three like really impressive tasting menu experiences on the wineries in the Valley de Guadalupe. I feel like one hundred to one hundred twenty dollars U.S. You know per person. Whereas if you were in Chicago, these are like four hundred dollar meals. And you can stay on the property. It's incredibly beautiful. I mean, you're like one meal at at Anna Malone, we're sitting underneath this giant oak tree and like the branches, like you have to like duck your head under to get into your table. And you're just like in this, you're under this giant, beautiful oak tree eating this incredibly expansive, beautiful tasting menu inspired by the region of Baja with a wine pairing from wines all over the area. I mean, this like, to me, I'm like, this is a world-class food and beverage experience underneath an oak tree in the open air and i swear to god they were playing Sade. and i'm like okay like <laughs> what is happening the, right now
0: the best you know? moment of your life all right last question what was the best thing you ate when you go to a region
1: like Mex, like like this part of mexico there's very very fine dining food mm-hmm. and there's very you know incredibly delicious street food so the tacos floresta baja fish taco was the best taco i ate down there but i will say there was a the ceviches are incredibly popular everywhere I went. There was a mm-hmm. ceviche, but Fauna Restaurant did this ceviche with a charred, like a heavily charred, smoked pepper kind of salsa, and then it was topped with all these shaved cucumbers. It was like it was just like a like a like a complete crust of cucumber. You couldn't even see what was in the bowl. It was completely covered in shaved cucumbers, and then you start stirring it up and you mix it all together. And that raw crunch of cucumber with that incredibly fresh fish, and then very charred smoky rich salsa like sitting there with like breaking freshly made tortillas and kind of dipping it in there and and drinking some you know the, the the bruma winery wines like it was just that experience that alone was worth the price of admission and that's something you cannot recreate outside of that area so the fact is you can fly to san diego drive two hours and have a world-class food beverage and hospitality experience like viva mexico till i die
0: We'd like to thank you so much for listening.
1: We would like to thank LaMarca Prosecco for their support. From the hills of Veneto, Italy, you can never go wrong with Prosecco, whether it's in a spritz or drinking straight.
0: Joan Isabella is our executive producer with producer David Lyons, editing, mixing, and mastering by Sam Bobian.
1: Production support provided by Studios on the Pond, original music by the Mallet Brothers.
0: This is a production of WDET, Detroit's NPR station.